ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. This is The Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. If you're building or renovating at the moment, then you might be a bit nervous. Insolvencies in the building sector are reaching a 10-year high, with an average of one in five construction companies going bust. This is one of the biggest downturns the industry has ever seen. Some people who have signed contracts have lost tens of thousands of dollars and thousands of projects are at a standstill. But this doesn't just affect those who are trying to get their home built or are maybe thinking about or midway through a renovation. It affects thousands of people who work in the construction industry. And most construction workers are on contract. And many medium to small size building companies are really feeling the impact and the flow on effects of an unstable building industry. Good morning. My name's Rochelle Hunt, your co-host today, Fiona Parker, breakfast presenter on ABC Central Victoria in Bendigo. Fiona, this is something that for quite a few years now we've been talking about and it's been affecting a lot of Victorians. And unfortunately, it just doesn't feel like it's going to get better anytime soon. That's right, Rochelle. Thank you. It's the perfect storm, isn't mm. it, that just keeps going. My husband in his work deals with builders and tradespeople. And when I told him we were chatting about this today, he had a lot to say about what's happened, especially since COVID, the demand for trades, then, of course, the supply issues, delays in materials from overseas for various reasons. There's so many strands to where we've ended up. It is a perfect storm. And then, of course, that leads to heartache for so many, yeah. not just just those building a home for themselves, often a first home, but also the contractors not being able to meet the contracts, the stresses on the building companies, the small building companies, especially having locked in contracts with clients up to a year before work start, but they're not being able to find tradies to do the work or the costs have gone up so much or mm. they can't get their hands on materials. The list goes on and I know we'll hear those stories today and I guess try to understand what a complex set of circumstances it is. I don't know about you, but I know even just in my local hood, when you walk around certain streets, there's a couple of houses that are midway through. They've just got the frames up, but those frames have been up and nothing has happened for months now. And you walk past and you think, okay, is this just another casualty of the construction and of the building industry? And what do you, I mean, how many times can the government step in? You know, we have seen them step in at certain times, but at the rate that companies are falling over at the moment, what securities do people have? What securities do companies have? How nervous That's are people right. about even signing up to go in and to build something as well? And it's, it's not even just one house here or one house there. If you drive to, there's new housing developments around Bendigo. There's a big new one at Huntley where there's slabs and frames waiting for builders and windows just sitting there waiting to be erected, things aren't coming together at the one time. It used to be a relatively seamless process. They always say that building a house is one of the most stressful things you can do, but it's never been so uncertain. Uh, An example that my husband gave me was the windows. You know, it used to be before COVID, the wait on a window might be two to three weeks delivery. You could order it and get it in two to three weeks. And now for a glass window, it could be anywhere between six to 12 weeks. And the builder has to deal with that. Mm. And if they're locked into a contract, well, 
you know, the problems start. So either as a builder, a worker or as a homeowner, have you been impacted by the construction industry? On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Good morning, Rochelle Hunt here with you in Melbourne. Fiona Parker, the breakfast presenter on ABC Central Victoria and Bendigo is your co-host today. From being a worker and maybe walking in as a builder one day and just being told tools down, all work is to stop, or from having contracts that can't be honoured to having a home that is half built. What is the short and long term future of the construction industry? One three hundred triple two seven seven four. You can text as well zero four three seven 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 four seven seven four. Natalie joins us, and Natalie, this is something that has impacted you as a homeowner. Your home didn't get built. Tell us a little bit about your situation. Uh, nice to meet you all. Hope you guys are having a nice Monday. We are. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> so our journey into building uh, started in 2020 and unfortunately our builder at the time with whom we had inter- entered into a contract went under in uh, 2021. And <laughs> from there it really started a painful journey. Uh, which uh, I can definitely sympathize with a lot of people going through with at the moment. Uh, we were fortunate enough to um, to uh, get paid out by the insurance, even though uh, at that point uh, you do certainly lose money. And uh, we opted to terminate our contract. So we didn't um, move to um, the boulder that they had provided and went out to source our own boulder. And I will say that was the greater part of last year, trying to secure a different boulder. Uh, We found one, a smaller one. And unfortunately, as it stands right now, I can say that uh, we are no closer to our home, to our, you know, to, and here it's not even a dream home. It's just, you know, something for us to call home for our children uh, because of, yes, all the factors that we hear about on the market. And interestingly enough, um, even uh, just last week, we were actually informed that we needed to come up with... Uh, an extra amount to guarantee that our property could actually be finished, you know, that the work could be started and finished. So as you can imagine, uh, I'm certainly not growing any trees with uh, money in my garden. Mm. Uh, So it can be a bit uh, stressful. So it's not just that initial shock then and then going through the difficulty of trying to find another builder. I mean, we know they're really in short supply as well. But Mm -hmm. uh, you also now have that other problem. So this is just compounding, is Mm -hmm. it, for for you? It has, absolutely. It has definitely compounded. You know, every time that we've gotten close. So up until last week, it was basically we're waiting for our new permit to come through so that building could start and well we've now had a call that do you really guarantee um the finish of the home uh right to the end would have to put up uh, thousands of dollars and um also as you probably as you probably would know once you your name is on that land you basically are paying rates and taxes uh, you're paying for water that you're not consuming. Oh, how frustrating. 
you know. So as it is right now, you know, we are paying for two homes, one of which we are not sure when we'll actually, you know, when we'll see, because obviously we have to have a and roof And then the, the other one's rent, is that right? Yes, yeah, we're currently renting. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so it's it's a hard situation, you know, especially when we see what goes on every day. Of course, with, and uh, with cost of living going through the roof absolutely. as well. So naturally, absolutely. I mean, this has been a really long time and there would be lots of people yeah. out there going, mm-hmm, this is exactly where we're at as well, or this is our fear. What kind of yep. flow-on stress and imp- impact has, had, has this had on you and your family? Uh, it's, you know, it's stressful. It's stressful in the sense that, you know, we know that the rental market is not great, for example, so, yeah, you do fear that, you know, just today uh, you could be asked to maybe vacate your home because, you know, uh, a higher rent price could be fetched than what you're currently paying, you know, that insecurity. And also just, you know, having to shoulder uh, a mortgage and uh, in shouldering that mortgage, I mean, we are just as subject to interest rate rises as everyone else and you only have so much income. So, and what's disheartening is that you don't know when you'll actually have the home. It will be different if we're paying for all of those rates and taxes and all of that, but knowing that, okay, definitely uh, in 12 months time or in, in X number of time, we'll, you know, we'll be in our home, mm. but that's not the case. So, yes, that lack of clarity, the uncertainty. Yes. Yeah. And what's it like for you, Natalie, then having been through all of this, through that initial shock and then everything else you've been through since 2021 to see this happening <laughs> time and again, as Rochelle was just pointing out, sort of in the media every other day, another company yeah. going bust, another family in your situation? Yeah, I'm, I must say I was very surprised that this was happening. I would have hoped, and uh, yeah, maybe I'm just not as educated about everything that's happening out there. I would have hoped that more had would have been done to uh, shield uh, this current lot of families from going through the same uh, experience. I mean, I do understand that there are some external factors out there that do impact uh, companies and uh, a whole lot of people uh, in the building industry, but it's, it's, it's scary. You know, it just feels like there isn't protection for hardworking families who do sacrifice a lot, you know, to try to get onto that property ladder. And then, you know, it really, it makes us question, you know, when yeah. we'll get, you know, when we'll get there. What protections are there for that protection know, for is the something person. that protection yeah. is something that I think a lot of people want yeah. to see more of. Just finally, yeah. is this something that you can engage your lawyer in? Do you feel like you're in that position? I mean, we know, but then you've got huge backlogs at anywhere from VCAT, yeah. and we know. I mean, there's even texts coming in now saying the building industry needs a shake up, especially in regards to consumer protections. So the domestic, which is the DB uh, DRV has a wait list in excess of which is where you go if you have a construction complaint you want something heard they've got a wait month of of three months on building defects builders can just walk away and that's from peter so i guess you just feel like you don't have that protection finally natalie no no i um it's it's a it's a stark contrast to when you sit on a journey to buy a home uh, you know, you have so many people out there ready to put you into a contract and offer you things. But then when things go wrong, I must say uh, it definitely has not been a great experience because 
many oftentimes you don't even know where to go yeah. <laughs> how to you know what flow what process are you supposed to follow to you know to, to get a proper outcome well we'll speak to a construction lawyer a little later who hopefully natalie yeah. will help you and, and people like you as well because there are plenty of texts coming in with very similar stories we really hope that you get into your home sooner rather than later natalie thank you so much for sharing your story it's important thank you very much to you both see yeah. you later good luck I mean, there's text here, Fiona, that say my in-laws started building in 2015. Two builder collapses later. They've just oh. given up on their dream home. There's a half-finished house and constant needs to apply for building permits with councils and the changing rules have just been a nightmare. Pam's in Craigieburn. Hi, Pam. Hi. What did you um, want to say? Well, I was just calling to comment on the renter side of things, so living next to a building site that has been under construction for a really long time is also uh, pretty hard to live with. And um, I've now moved to two different houses and they've been, there's been building sites at each one of the houses. Um, so in 2022, I moved into a share house and there were um, six of the surrounding properties. Four of them were under construction and one of them was a huge like duplex combo with a parking structure. Um, and I lived there for 12 months and then moved to a different suburb and then the neighbors in that house um, were also renovating. Um, they decided to let us know in the first couple of weeks of us living there. And then um, they decided that the building plan had to be leveled. The, the house wasn't mm -hmm. going to be an addition. It was going to be leveled. So then they had a huge, you know, lots of machinery, lots of um, disruption. I worked from home, so it was really noisy. Our fence got damaged. There was constantly cars parked in front of our driveway oh, no, it sucks doesn't it that kind of thing it was just and then so then we lived there for 12 months we moved and now we're in a house that doesn't have anything in it uh building construction wise but every once in a while i drive past that other house and it's still not finished it's still two years later three years later now it's still under construction and yeah. there's new people living next to them so it's just yeah, the ongoing impact. It impacts so many people. Pam, I mean, I hadn't really thought about that, but it's so true. There's nothing worse when you live somewhere and then you see Fiona, big construction that you know is going to take a long time start next to you and you're like, oh, no, we're in for a world of pain for That's a really right. long the time. Dust, the machinery uh, and the disruption to your own life and the sound and all of that. But then if it's stop-start as well, uh, and then if it just stops in the middle of it, then that can be a problem too. If it's just sitting there vacant and you've just got this massive structure there that's not being finished because of, well, the topic we're talking about today, the yeah. uncertainty in the building industry right around the country. This text, we paid $60,000 with probably one of the larger building homes in Australia to get our bill, just to get to our bill contract stage. Permits have been granted. However, the price rise is now more than $300,000 more than the original price that was given to us. This is no longer possible for us and we don't trust any further increases. We're just now going to lose our $60,000 because that is the least Stressful option. Wow. Rochelle Hunt here with you in Melbourne, your co host today, Fiona Parker, ABC Breakfast presenter from ABC Central Victoria in Bendigo. We're talking about the future, the stability of the construction industry. Alarming stats. It's possibly some of the worst that we've seen in this country with one in five construction companies going under and the onflow impacts of that. Jody Minturn is an office manager in sales at Hotono in uh, Hotondo, sorry, in Shepparton. 
Jordan. Jody, good morning. As a relatively small construction and building company in regional Victoria, how does everything that's happened impact you? Um, it's quite stressful and it's it has uh, causes quite a few <laughs> heated conversations in the office between sort of mum, dad and myself because um, we're we're family business and we, you know, we're, we're damned if we do, we're damned if we don't. We need to take on jobs to, to keep the doors open sort of thing and when you do take on a job, you've got to where we would like to finish a home in six to eight months with 12, 13 months to get to completion just to be safe on a contract wow. because you don't know what's going to happen with supply. Um, I've got a job sitting in Nagambi that I'm waiting on my bricklayer and that's been sitting there waiting for the bricklayer for about three weeks currently and I think he's still another five to six weeks away. We're fairly lucky in that sense because we've got some trades that have been exceptionally loyal to us but they've got to earn a living too and they've, they're in high demand from other other companies in the area so you know you just join the queue for what they've got on their register. Um, we've, we take the option of whilst we're waiting for somebody we will keep doing whatever we can to keep the house moving. So we've had houses sit without bricks where we've basically done the internal um, fit out and fixing and everything else but then we can't make some of our stage claims because certain things aren't completed and some we can, we can make claims on percentage but um, you then have to fight with the bank as to whether or not they'll pay it for the client well, and yeah, they and, and with three stage claims all at once. And you've entered into that fixed price contract but sometimes yep. all you can do is wait for mm. the subcontracted trades. Uh, you mentioned mm. bricklayers, also plumbers and tilers and my husband was talking about tilers. He works um, in with, with people in the building industry and he was saying that uh, when people were home during COVID lockdowns, we know this story well, don't we? People weren't going on holidays so they renovated bathrooms and kitchens. Demand was yep. huge for tilers which meant that they were no longer available to builders uh, building from yep. new and they also upped their rates and then the builder couldn't afford to pay the tilers so they had to renegotiate contracts and the client paid the price so new houses rose in costs because of that demand yeah um that's that's an interesting problem really because when you enter into a fixed a fixed price contract you've you've got to negotiate with the client as to whether or not they will agree to a price increase um unless they've used provisional sums or um i forget what the other one is but i that they're so dangerous they're dangerous for everybody if it's fixed price it's fixed price which is what we do but if they're using provisional sums and um my brain is just not working what the other other allowance is where they they put in figures for items that they can't guarantee but they try to get the best reasonable close estimate on it but those those are dangerous for the consumer and for the builder because that's the only way you can increase a price here in Victoria on a job because once that price is fixed there's no changing it without consent and I'm I'm, I'm, I'm horrified when I'm hearing people paying 60 grand um, because we can I'm only losing pay. 60 grand just saying okay and I'll, I'll see yeah, that no. go yeah but I, I'm, I'm trying to understand how they're paying 60 grand up front 
unless they unless it's a massive massive home because we can only take a five percent deposit on the home at, at initial con- contract at the signing of the contract so i don't know how people mm-hmm. are being asked to pay excessive amounts of money that are over and above those things because they're set by the contract law that binds us for building homes in victoria uh, i wonder how many people actually understand that contract law and the thing is you might build a home like most of us, once in your life, twice maybe, mm. you know, and that even that's pretty rare. So the the average person actually doesn't know what to ask mm. and what to look out for. Just finally, Jody, I mean, this you, this is a family business. This is yep. a small to medium sized business. How yep. do you see the next twelve months playing out? I mean, are you concerned for your business in terms of whether or not you can just keep weathering the stress and the cost? Um. <laughs> well, my 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 dad's seventy five, um, so and he he wants to keep building because he wants to try and um, make up for some of the the losses that we've had in the last you know two years where we've 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 been locked into fixed price contracts and we've basically built for next to nothing, no profit at all for our clients, um, and so that eats into his retirement. <laughs> So yeah, we we will keep going for as long as we can. But the problem is with the price of material and the cost of labour, we've become a very expensive entity to build with. So, you know, it's very hard for us to get people to build with us because we're so expensive because the costs are there for us. Oh, Jody, we wish you all the best. Thank you so Sorry. much. But just trying to, you. you know, it helps us just try and unpack it and understand it, and it impacts just different people. That's right. What a nightmare. Yeah, Jodie Minturn, their office manager in sales at Hatondo in Shepparton. Rochelle Hunt and Fiona Parker with you. There's so many different angles and people that this impacts, Fee. There's a text here that says, we run a small residential building business. We have many inquiry from people whose builders have gone under. And nearly all of these previously agreed contact price has been so low that there's no way the owners would be able to find a similar quote now. You have to research your builder and get references before engaging anyone and I think anyone thinking about building or renovating now would be thinking oh yeah all right how (laughs) Mm. how secure is this group and also how much might the price rise by the time we get around to either signing a contract or in the middle of a build you know just kind of factor in however many more thousands tens of thousands of dollars into the build just because of what's happening and what we've been seeing i know we're about to talk to uh one of the directors at core logic uh, talking about sort of the houses mm. and construction market out there and exactly what's happening because i don't think this problem's going away anytime soon michelle's in meredith good morning oh hi um i just wanted to mention that um a lot of people probably aren't aware that they're underinsured with their home and contents insurance. Recently, I um, changed insurers, and while going through the, the process of deciding which one to go with, I was informed by a number of insurance companies that I was underinsured because the cost of replacing my home has increased so greatly. And you you were unaware of that initially? Yes, but it's not something that even occurred to me. I wonder how many people are exactly the same as you, Michelle, and that th- the, the line that you just said then, that thought never occurred to me. Do you feel like well, you'd wish you'd had more information or you'd done more research? What would have helped? I, I think if people were more informed, you know, if, if, if um, you know, we just um, heard more about 
you know, with the cost, I mean, a lot of people are building. We know that the cost of building are increasing. But if we, you know, get more of a public education campaign going to say, you know, check out your insurance as well, you know, I, I don't think I'm alone. I think there's no, a lot absolutely of people not. That, no. would be not thinking of it. No, you're certainly not alone and Fiona, but we'll sort of try and speak, we'll speak to a construction lawyer a little later as well, just about what you do need to think about, what the questions you need to ask, because most of us just don't, we don't have this information and often it's hard to get, you know, you, mm. where do you start? Like with some of the calls we've heard, they're like, I don't even know where to start to get this information. Yeah, I mean, and, and it is, it's, it's that dream of your own home that really propels you forward. It's not the paperwork, is it? It's not the detail. It's not the, uh, you know, the fine print in the contract or the insurance or anything like that. Uh, you're going into this because you want stability, a place to live. You've saved up for the deposit and then you go in good faith moving forward with the house of your dreams and it's just so tragic to hear of this happening to so many people and continuing to happen. This so. text, our builder constantly but very hard uh, pushed in an aggressive way, aggressive pressure to pay amounts before the stage had be completed. We pushed back as much as possible, but that process was just hospital. Uh, was just horrible, sorry. Probably did you feel like you were going to end up in a hospital. <laughs> so whether you're waiting for a home to be built, you're considering it, or if you're a worker, you know, how, how does it impact you too that if you feel like maybe your line of work isn't secure, that one day it'll just be tools down and you had no idea, you didn't see it coming? especially if you don't have job security. It affects so many different people. This is The Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Michelle Hunt here with you in Melbourne. Your co-host today, Fiona Parker, breakfast presenter at ABC Central Victoria, joining you from gorgeous Bendigo. Gosh, there's so many different angles here, Fee. This is from KT in Balaclava. My husband's in construction. Fixed-term construction is a way for builders to go bust. If you want to know about the builder, contact the trades to know if they're getting paid. It's as simple as that. I mean, and you've mentioned wow. so many different areas, like the flow-on impacts and the flow on businesses from tilers to mm -hmm. uh, uh, concreters. Yep. That's, and that's the trades. Then there's the materials as well. Like I was talking before about windows, but there's also uh, timber, for example. There's a, a supply of critical building materials like timber, a shortage of that at the moment. And that's been a real problem and uh, we're out with some friends of ours recently and one of them's a builder and he was looking up at the big new Bendigo Gov Hub which is this multi-level modern building in Bendigo which has just been built and he said oh wow those laminated beams they must have ordered them before COVID because it's so hard to get them in Australia at the moment so he's like looking up at this structure and the materials that have been used looking in awe at the fact that they were able to get and build with these laminated beams because they, it's, you know, they're so hard to get your hands on now. There's a massive weight. Through the eyes of a builder and how differently right. you see things. Yeah. Paul's in Rye. Good morning. Good morning. Um, well, our build was, oh, it was meant to be completed um, by December, but um, we just had a lot of delays through, mainly through the poor quality workmanship. And... Okay. I mean, I've had a few texts saying that because of all the pressure that the work is getting shoddier. Do you think it was pressure or do you think it was just a bad choice? Uh, I think it's probably the trades. They're not able to get enough trades and then they're... Um, and the quality of trades are just 
yeah, it's been terrible. It hasn't yeah, so been a stage really just gone smoothly. Desperate and, and, and hiring anyone. Pretty much, yeah. So yeah, where does it? Where do you stand now, Paul? If you built your home and you're looking around, going, "This is pretty shoddy." What do you feel like you've got a leg um, to stand on? Uh, not really. We looked at maybe we could sack the builder, but then that's a huge process of going to VCAT and all of that. And then the home's only delayed even further. So you know, we really can't afford that. Um, so yeah, we're paying for rent and storage and mm. and a, a mortgage and. Yeah, it's been a really painful experience, to be honest. I, I wish we did a knockdown rebuild and would have been much better just selling and upgrading than buying an existing home. Yeah, wow. And yeah, not getting what you paid for as well or what, what you're paying for with shoddy no, membership. What a headache. Not. Yeah. So it's our, our home's been cladded. Well, it's now going to be cladded for the third time. That, um, oh, gosh. It, what a waste yeah. of time. Oh, it's Paul, I'm so sorry. Crazy. It's so stressful, isn't it? Especially when you, you know, you're trying to take that next step. Thanks so much for calling in and sharing your story. Dale's in Pakenham. Good morning, Dale. Yeah, hello. I'm just uh, talking about the residential building industry, not only in Victoria, but as, uh, but on a national basis. The, the local governments have got their snout in the trough. The state governments have got their snout in the trough. The federal governments have got the state in the, the snout in the trough. The, the, you've got uh, heritage levies. You've got uh, indigenous Aboriginal levies where they charge you thousands of dollars to come out. The, the, the builder with stage payments, it's front-ended loaded so that the builder gets most of his profit up front. Mm. And I know that they'll argue that, but they, that's the, So that's you just think happens. there's too many taxes and there's too much red tape in the building industry. I don't think you're alone there, Daryl. Lots of people saying similar things. Let's go to Andy. He's in Clyde. Hi, Andy. Hi, how are you? Good. What do you want Thanks. to say? Thanks for taking my call, first of all. I, I'm located in the original township of Clyde. Um, we've seen our area grow just phenomenally in the last five to ten years. We're currently undertaking a bathroom reno mm-hmm. on an existing property, and it's only small, two and a half by two and a half square metres, so it's not a large bathroom. We're supplying the grout, the tiles, the bath, the shower, everything... So for trades alone, we've just been given a quote for $30,000. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And we've been getting our ideas for the bathrooms from going to the newer states that are just bordering us, and they're still plugging homes, and none of them are getting built. Mm. The cost of bathrooms are through the roof. So, yeah, that's just a bathroom renovation. You've provided all the materials yourself, and it's still thirty grand. Correct, correct. I know my auntie got a quote for a bathroom. She's in regional Victoria. It's a small bathroom. She thought maybe it's time for me to upgrade, you know, maybe get some handrails. Her and her husband are sort of, you know, she said, we're getting a bit older. And it was very similar to you, Andy. It was $50,000. And she's like, you know what? I think my bathroom's fine. (laughs) I think we might just keep it as it is. Well, unfortunately, I've already pulled everything apart. So we we are going to go ahead with it, but we're going to speak to more builders. We've got no issue getting people out to give us quotes and wanting to start on the work. But I I assume that basically what they're doing to cover their their behinds is upping the quotes on everything to, to to sort of cover their shortfall that they've been having. 
Oh, I hope you get your bathroom done soon, Andy. I really do. There's nothing worse, too, when you've ripped everything out. But in that situation where you have to run around to your sister-in-law's for a shower every yes. morning. It's the vital room <laughs> of the house, isn't it? Bob's called through from Melbourne. Bob, you're a builder. Oh, I d- did not expect that to come out the way that it did. But you are, Bob, and you are a builder. <laughs> yes, good morning. Um, I just want to clarify, we have been in the business 30 years and when we initially started our, our business... We had an employment uh, of basically uh, people who we had taken through apprenticeships and then retained them as employees. But over the last 15 years or so, that's changed now. And as soon as they finish their apprenticeship, they're out and they want to work as subcontractors. And the attraction of earning exceptionally good money as a subcontractor and just um, farming themselves off to any builder who will pay the price has uh, really put another level of pressure on the traditional method of, uh, of delivering buildings. Mm. So, and because it's, um, it's very the common... The government has done nothing to, to change that situation, mm. um, nor has the tax office, quite frankly. So, Bob, I mean, from what I can gather, most builders, on-site builders, are contractors. Do you think that might start to change and the mentality of people wanting to be contractors might start to change as the security of the company that they're working for may not feel like the safest option like it did, say, five years ago? No, I think the confusion is that uh, as a principal contractor, being a builder, um, your staffing levels... um, a lot of builders now are forced to use subcontractors in the form of... I'm talking about carpenters, not so much plumbers and electricians. They're their own entity. So you're actually going out to a marketplace and sometimes you're bidding up to you know, $75 to $80 an hour for a carpenter. Um, whereas previously, we'd have those guys on wages. On the um, staff. And mm. Yeah, yeah, staff. Uh, that just doesn't happen anymore. I don't think there's many builders that would retain a staff as such. They said they're using subcontractors and they're forced to. So my apprentices that are finishing up their time now are already indicating that they want to go out yeah. as subcontractors when they finish their time. So do you think there'll be less bobs a- out there, Bob, in terms of people wanting to start medium to small size building businesses because it's just going to be so hard to keep builders on staff? Yeah, it, it's getting to the point now. I think um, uh, someone mentioned 1,700 insolvencies in Victoria uh, up until the, uh, this point in time for the financial year. Um, it's 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 just going to be getting to the point where we're going to have a smaller, smaller pool of builders. Yeah. Um, they're, they're just not going to survive. But there's a lot of changes that need to be made. It needs to be legislative. It's, it's hard to... And it's a very boring subject. I mean, you go and talk to a politician and just go glassy-eyed. Um, well, they shouldn't because it affects people's lives. You know, it affects people's lives. And, I mean, the last thing you want is for there to not be, you know, the Bobs and the Jodies in the world where, as consumers, we have choice of people that we want to go to. If it all starts to fall apart, then you end up with just a handful of big people, big business. They set the price and then we don't win. You know, we know we all know what who wins when you lose that kind of choice in an industry. But there's texts fee coming in saying, I've been a plumber for 30 years. I've never seen the industry like this before. And, yep, a bathroom Renault 30K is just the starting price. Gee. This, wow. That's <laughs> not uh, good, is th- it? That's beyond me. I, yeah, that's, yeah I, I find that quite incredible. But 
I mean, it's not a surprise to many, I'm sure, who work in the industry and have been looking at the prices, looking at demand, looking at the uncertainty, all the delays and looking at the pattern, which is quite unusual. This it says, yes, this is disgusting. The whole thing needs to be overhauled. We would never build again. Tim Lawless is a research director at Core Logic. Tim, uh, I don't know for how confident any of us are feeling about what the future of the building industry is going to look like in terms of us as just average people being able to feel secure or to be able to afford or to be able to build in a timely manner. What does the next sort of 12 to 18 months look like? Good morning, Rochelle and Fiona. Well, it's it's probably getting a little bit more certain, I would say. We've come through this period where, as you guys have been talking about, construction costs have risen massively and there's been a lot of uncertainty within the industry. But the good news is construction costs aren't rising as quickly anymore. Um, we have data up to, to the March quarter and construction costs are up about 0.9% and that's, that's roughly in line with the long-run average, just a little bit higher than, than the long-run average. So with that in mind, I wouldn't be surprised if it falls back a little bit further in June. I'm not saying construction costs are actually falling. It's just the rate of growth is, is normalizing. It's really rare for a construction cost to actually go backwards. Um, but what it means is for builders, hopefully, they have a bit more certainty coming through for their budgeting, for their, their quoting, their planning. Mm. And of course, uh, we're still seeing a real, I guess, prevalence of consumers wanting fixed price contracts. In fact, lenders lenders generally um, steer away from taking on the risk of not having a fixed price contract. So the risk really still sits with the building sector on, uh, you know, if, if construction costs go up a lot further than they're planning, then that's where you see these cost blowouts and uh, a lot of the, um, the, the, the liquidity issues that we've seen over the past couple of years. Mm. So what we've been talking about, what's happening over or what's been happening over the last couple of years, and as we were saying at the beginning, that perfect storm, mm. I, I just said something along the lines of that this, this pattern's really unusual. Would you agree with that, that... Um, this is not just kind of one little post-COVID hiccup. It's like a, um, it's, it, it is a really unusual set of circumstances that we've been seeing. Yeah, absolutely. This is in many ways a perfect storm. It was uh, you know, partly driven by a, just a significant run-up in the number of homes uh, commencing or at least being approved to build through the Home Builder Program. But, of course, that was probably a policy that was well thought out and uh, quite timely, but it ran into a whole bunch of supply chain constraints, mm. partly due to COVID, partly due to the war in Ukraine, um, uh, which obviously impacted a lot of uh, imported goods. And then also labor markets were extraordinarily tight. And then we saw housing prices absolutely rocketing as well. And now interest rates have gone up, which means holding costs for builders who might be uh, you know, covering land or for those people building might be paying off their, uh, their, their, uh, their debt on, on a block of land, but also renting at the same time. And rents are rocketing uh, as yeah, well. So That's right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely um, unprecedented to see such a range of circumstances impacting the industry. Yeah, and as you say, sort of going back to the beginning of that, you know, the homeowner's grant and this kind of incentive, and it was all like, yes, let's get more people into their first home. and Especially in regional this- Victoria as well. Mm. Only for then all the, those other things to happen, which means that the costs go up and everything we've been talking about happens. But yes, so from that kind of starting point of more homes being built in the mm. first place, we end up in a situation we're in now.
Tim, so, do you think it will be supply chain or labour? What's the first step to sort of get it back to where it was? Or will it just change forever now? No, I think ultimately we need to be building more homes. So that's that's the clear reality here. We've, we've seen this surging construction activity that's now that the pipeline of new homes to be built is falling quite sharply. We're seeing building approvals well below average levels at a generational, at decade lows now. So the reality is we, we've got a record level of population growth coming into the country. We're going to need to be building more homes, particularly in the medium to high density sector. Um, and for that to happen, we need to start seeing approvals picking up. We need to see more labour coming into uh, the market. And of course, we need some certainty returning to the industry. So builders are uh, prepared to actually be active. So I think gradually you will see either that, that just improve organically in the sense that people become more active out of necessity or the government's going to have to step in and uh, try to... to will they though? Up. I mean, how often can the government keep stepping in? They have on a state level anyhow. They did. But they can't, and I remember watching it at the time for one of the collapses of one of the sort of medium to larger style uh, home builders. And I remember thinking at the time, wow, now that they've done that once, what mm. what are they going to do? Because I feel like we're in a bit of a house of cards at the moment. Yeah, we are starting to see more, I suppose, international institutional investment coming into the housing market as well. Think about the build to rent sector as one example. Um, so potentially we could start to see I guess, a resolution to some of these issues from uh, imported workers, imported uh, um, capital as well. But the the biggest risk here, I think, is still we we have this undersupply of housing and we have housing prices going up quite quickly as well. So... Yeah, if only there is a revolution, that's what we could hope for. You know, we, <laughs> we really do, and and quicker. Tim Lawless, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Research Director at Core Logic. This text, Fiona Parker, I built through a volume builder and had a largely fantastic experience, but we were unable, or they were unable to provide the flooring option. So I had to outsource and we ended up being ripped off by the installer. We went through VCAT and the Magistrate's Court. I was never able to get my $3,000 deposit money back and the installer now cannot be found and the backlog mm. on VCAT you're talking years to be able mm. to get in there's a whole other story going on there Alan's in Benella good morning oh good morning look I, I'd like to say I, I will take a more you know, industrial engineering approach to this problem yes in Benella Bene- in Bene- on the east side as you leave town there's a man on the right hand side of the road with a factory in which he builds a portable house he builds them and puts them on a truck and they trundle them off down the highway. They're quite a presentable house. And if you had a, a slab of land with a, on a surface block in a mm-hmm. country town, that would probably be ideal. With a, a, a veranda all around them and big windows from roof to floor, that would be excellent, I think. I had, I've had a look at them and I would live in one. Yeah, I think a lot of people would like to see those restrictions lifted, myself included, Alan, when it comes to smaller homes, portable homes and tiny homes. Something yes, the has to tiny home movement is huge at the moment. And also uh, on a local level, local councils looking at uh, the, you know, if, if you're on a big block, less red tape, being able to put a tiny home or some kind of other dwelling on your block in order to provide a home for, uh, might be a relative, it might be a yes. friend. But, um, but yes, the red the, tape is huge. Are they changing the red that in Bendigo is, at all? Or are they still- uh, Mount Alexandershire councils recently moved towards being able to let, uh, that's around the Castle Main area, let um, 
people on bigger blocks house a smaller home. So, yeah, there is, I think there is movement, not just at that council, but other councils as well, just looking at how to alleviate the housing crisis in that mm. way. That's, that's, yep. that's such a no-brainer. Good on you, Alan. Thank you. This is The Conversation Hour. On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Rochelle Hunt in Melbourne, Fiona Parker, your co-host today. Breakfast presenter on ABC Central Victoria in Bendigo. And understanding, Fiona, what your rights are and what you should be thinking about, the laws that surround the build or the contract that you're about to enter. Marcel just sent a message saying, my wife and I have built in Broadford. We moved in February. I paid for an independent building inspector. It was the best thing I ever did. All new builds should have independent inspectors. Well, Paula Gerber is a Monash University professor of construction law and has been working in construction law for a couple of decades now, Paula. Do we need to know more about the contract that we're entering into and the protections that we do or don't have? Absolutely. Unfortunately, the last thing that many people want to do is is read a very thick uh, legalese written contract uh, before they they embark on their building project. But it's vital and it's vital that we actually um, engage in law reform about the type of contracts that we're allowed to enter into because the Domestic Building Contracts Act is actually from 1995 and it's no longer fit for purpose and it it mandates what sort of contracts we're allowed to enter into and what we're not allowed to enter into and that's where a lot of the problems are actually stemming from. Isn't that interesting and of course back in the 90s uh, the market nothing like we're looking at today. Uh, What are the protections then if a builder goes broke say you're in the middle of a build is, is there any kind of one answer to that about what your rights are? Well, at the moment, we're in a a profitless boom. So lots of builders are locked into contracts that are what we call fixed price or lump sum contracts. And as the costs of labour and the costs of materials escalate, they are not allowed to pass those costs on to the homeowner. And that was, you know, 1995, we didn't have the sort of inflationary uh, position that we're in now. And all of these, you know, as you've described many times, the perfect storm that's affecting the construction industry. So it's actually uh, because of these fixed price lump sum contracts and the inability to pass on cost increases to homeowners, it's it's better in quotation marks for a, for a builder mm-hmm. to become insolvent than to keep working at an at a loss um, because they're paying the increased costs. I've run out of counting the number of times people have sent a text in today saying the industry, the construction industry just needs to be overhauled. Would you agree? Like does, I mean, you're quoting back to the mid-90s. It's been some time since then. Do, do we build differently now? Do we need different protections for both the builder and the potential homeowner now, Paula? The one silver lining to the situation we're in is that it may well be the catalyst that we need to make the construction industry do things differently and to really um, undertake major reform. So, for example, in Germany, they are building and they are approving 3D printed homes. Hmm. And that's not something that we're thinking about here. Uh, we keep talking about the labour shortages and about the need to, you know, to increase immigration of, of uh, workers for the construction industry. But one of the big problems we've got here is we only recruit 
from 50% of the Australian population. That is men. The construction industry has the worst gender equality of any sector in Australia. We're even worse than mining. And, you know, unless we start changing the culture of the industry, start changing who we employ in the industry, we're going to keep having these problems recur. Yeah, there's a... So I was just going to say, we're going to keep seeing a dearth of workers. You know, yeah. if there's half of the population that isn't involved in the sector, then there's um, a, a market that's crying out oh, to 100%. be taken advantage of. Paula, you that's mentioned right. what they're doing in Germany with 3D printed homes. And there's been quite a few texts saying modular homes, you know, better quality insulated, they can be built undercover, they can be built accurately, they can be erected quickly. They've been doing it for years in England and in Germany. Costs don't explode. That's from Scott. And I mean, I did a program not so long ago on whether or not we need to sort of reconsider prefab homes. We have this awful yeah. image of them, but just we need to build differently. Oh, we do. And, you know, there's that old expression, if we always do what we've always done, we'll always get where we've always gone. And <laughs> that's what we're doing. I mean, we are building homes exactly the same way as we were in the 1950s and the 1960s. And it's it's just not appropriate in the current environment for many reasons, environmental uh, it, it being one of them. But also we don't have the materials and the labour to keep doing things the way we've always done. Mm, how interesting. And yes, talking about the labour, how hard it is to find an alternative builder at the moment as well, if you need one. And, and the weight on that, which we heard earlier on from poor Natalie, who was with one company that went under and then took years to find a builder to take on the job, then got told she'd have to pay more to build the house. Uh, so yes, it just, it, yeah, the saga continues, doesn't it? Yes. And, and Yes, sorry, go. Yes, well, I was just going to say, and we're going to continue to see this level of insolvency unless we really bite the bullet and look at how we can systemically do things differently. And one of the problems that I think is is really um, at a high level at the moment is that a builder can take a deposit from Natalie, for example, and use it to pay the workers on Paul's house. Yeah. So there is no prohibition on taking money from one homeowner to use it on another homeowner's project. And this so, is where we talk about the House of Cards. Just finally, before we hit the news, Paul, I mean, we've spoken uh, so often when we have these conversations, it comes back to tiny homes. And it's not just because I'm obsessed with them and I think they're amazing, but the role of councils could be huge here because sometimes they have the power to make the change, don't they? Rather than waiting for big change, for state or for federal change. Yes, we can certainly make a lot of smaller changes that would dramatically um, increase the uh, or reduce rather the housing problem that we've got. And it is councils that have the ability to say, yes, you can put a tiny home or build a granny flat at the back of your property uh, to help address the housing problem. Um, but they are scared of doing that and, and making those sort of changes. Paula. Change is hard. Thanks so much for your insights. It's, it's been wonderful. Thank you. My pleasure. Paula Gerber, she's Monash University Professor of Construction, Construction Law, and has spent around 20 years as a construction lawyer as well, knowing, Fiona Parker, that those solutions are there. I mean, there's lots of different solutions, but the red tape is ridiculous. I mean, for people like Natalie, for example, maybe even mm. Tiny Homes could be that 
temporary fix for mm. her so that she doesn't have the rent as well. But to hear from Tim that, yes, from CoreLogic, yes, it might get better, but not quickly. Yeah, that's right. And the supply of the critical building materials as well. But, you know, as as a whole, I think Paula just summed it up. You know, there has to be change. Something's got to change, doesn't it? It absolutely does. It's just affecting too many people. Fiona Parker, as always, thank you so much for joining me. I'll be back with you tomorrow. Take care.